Welcome back to the seventh season of my podcast. I'm making a couple of changes for 2024, namely moving episodes to fortnightly to create more realistic workload and publishing on Thursdays. You probably know by now that I work with companies to help them understand what's getting in the way of people having the best experience and performing well. Whether that's about work culture, leadership and management, mental wellbeing or engagement, I strip back the noise to uncover what's really going on. And then together we create a meaningful, innovative and sustainable approach to address those challenges. And that's what I'll be discussing with my guests. It's all about putting the human factor back into business. Because when we get people right, we get business right. I want to give a quick shout out about Leadership and Manager Labs, because I'm facilitating those with the fabulous Gemma Ellison of Heart Leadership. If you're interested in a space and community dedicated to development via a process of experimentation that gives us permission to analyse, test, review and learn, all within a human-centric framework, get in touch. Details are in the show notes. I'm your host, Lisa, psychologist and psychotherapist and founder of It's Time for Change. Thank you for joining me on Beyond the Water Cooler. So I'm joined today by Rob Day. Rob is chairman and founder of Blueprint Interiors, which is a leading innovator in workplace design and dedicated to building environments that inspire creativity, collaboration and employee well-being, which ticks a lot of my boxes. So welcome, Rob. Thank you, Lisa. Good to see you today. So I've invited you to be my guest today because um, I was inspired by um, your invitation, actually, to join you and Montford University and Steelcase in February at an event, which you'll tell us about later. We're going to be diving into the uh, convergence of interior design, well-being and innovative workplace strategies. And I love that because to me, that just pulls together so many different aspects of um work and the workplace and you are super passionate about connecting the physical environment that we're in with leadership and culture well-being um and all the stuff that i'm super passionate about so tell us rob a little bit more about blueprint interiors and what kind of what makes you different to other uh, interior designers and office furniture people out there okay well thank thank you lisa yeah um so we've been established 23 years and I suppose when I started having done a similar thing for various other people over the previous 10-15 years and earlier than that within the hotel and leisure environment um the business arguably you could design us as a you could describe us as a design and fit out company um so in you know interior design certainly and then the, the project management and providing complete service uh, for furniture and contracting to deliver a, a, a turnkey operation. Mm. Um, so it's quite interesting how that market uh, has developed over the years. It's relatively easy to get to quite a big number in terms of, you know, being a two, three, four person company. So we quite quickly hit a million pounds turnover um, and did some reasonable size projects. Um, but it's interesting, we were found ourselves in a market with dozens and dozens of other people within within a 20 mile radius. You might find at least half a dozen other companies who would be similar size, shape and so on. Um, and obviously, you know, competitively, you're always trying to distinguish yourself, I suppose, arguably, when it was just me and a couple of people supporting us. Um, you rely largely on your on your 
personality or character I, I prefer to use the phrase um but you, you rely on you rely on that to distinguish you from uh from competitors and and many people have built businesses that that, that reach that sort of level of turnover that sort of size and scale uh, and done it very successfully and it's almost entirely built on relationships basically um so a little more than sorry a little less than 23 years ago i i, I started thinking about um the end game and where where starting in business would, would lead me to i started it for two very distinct reasons interestingly one was um as a human given specialist you'll appreciate this one was control over my own destiny so i just turned 40 41 i think um and i felt quite vulnerable in the existing position i worked for a small family business but they were having all sorts of interesting personal issues and i was thinking well if you can do that if those if they can do that to each other i come a long way down their list ultimately um as a valued employee but nonetheless an employee um the second one was um financial independence you know most of us go to work primarily to earn money um obviously we hope we will enjoy it at the same time as well but arguably those are the two principal reasons i i went and did it so when i thought about how do i how, how do i you know conclude this successfully at some point at what point do i stop um what i'd learned already was how important it is to build a team to deliver really quite sophisticated solutions and complex solutions um you know it isn't rocket science but it is complicated and you need people to do that and you realize that the more people you bring on board the more you can focus on the bits you're good at as, as a leader so I'll come on to leadership in, in a little while i think i think the thing that really struck home to me was my clients are asking me the wrong questions you know they think this is the issue actually i i'm not sure it is that that's actually the wrong issue that 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 process has become more and more um sophisticated over the over the last last 10 years in particular i think where we we realized we were doing something different but we couldn't actually describe it properly um and that's truthfully when an understanding of human givens which is a very personal experience for me but once i'd understood that and sort of realized what you know, there are some fundamental universal you know universal truths behind uh human givens once i'd realized those i very quickly realized that you could apply those to all sorts of things you know certainly my work you know but you know, literally almost everything in life you know there were these needs that had to be met and um how how, how you went about doing that and how you explained it to people it's also my i suppose my partly to do with my journey in leadership and growth in, in my understanding of what makes a good leader and god knows i've made some mistakes but um you know as you as you move through that process you you just get better at it so yeah that was what, what can i ask you rob um when you realize that your clients were asking you the wrong questions oh. what were they asking you and what do you think they should have been asking you well sometimes they were literally saying um i mean sometimes it was well our brand colors involve blue and red so it has to be that color um and it was very sort of institutional and corporate i suppose their response what i realize now that's how i would describe it now they were they were thinking about what the company needed their perception of what their business needed um, and they were thinking in quite sort of one-dimensional ways, quite quite straight lines in many respects. Um, they would say they would sometimes provide me with a sketch drawer, almost never to scale, which is fascinating when you see somebody draw a room and twenty chairs in there, and you try and then explain that the room is twelve foot square, and that won't work. But um, <laughs> but the, the, you know the, 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 they would have a lot of preconceived ideas about what they'd done and how they could improve things, and that's that's all good stuff. But and we were sort of saying well you know we get to the point where we were confident enough to say well, look we're the designers can you tell us tell us what your challenge is you're you're finding 
and that that's really what's grown massively and has been informed by human givens because the way we un, the way we asked questions and understood and interpreted what clients were telling us has evolved massively as well because when they said oh um we're struggling to get people into this area we're struggling to get people to concentrate or productivity is not good in this space they already thought they knew what the answer was and actually it was probably something very different you know it's like you know you've you, your back aches but actually what's wrong is you've got something wrong with your foot which is causing your whole mm. game you know, it's you know the the the, the 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 core of the problem often lies um you know almost parallel to 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 the perceived problem sometimes so that that's that was that was a, a very significant issue i used to have a lot of people clients tell me so i wrote well, our first brochure who produced um some of the phrases i've been asked to uh asked to answer questions have been asked to answer you know, what does good look like so that's a great question we're lucky actually in so many ways we have something very tangible at the end of our exercise with our clients they can well not just look at it and touch it they feel it and they live in it it's 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 a fantastically rewarding industry to be in in that respect but they they, they would say oh what does good look like because there weren't many examples of mm. what good looks like and you know i've, I've in, in the sort of 35 40 odd years i've been involved in interior fit outs whether it's hotels and leisure or whether it's been offices which it has been for the last 30 odd you know i've been to some amazing looking places but if, what i realized subsequently was that they didn't necessarily work just because it looked great yeah uh, it's quite interesting as well because i'm interested in i'm interested in architecture as, as an amateur i'm not an architect but you know i, I love architecture and the, the feeling of being moved by physical space and you know we, we, we would all recognize the kind of uh, sort of statuesque and you know um in, imposing I'm going to use the word institutional in a positive way here which I I don't often do. um but the idea you know things like a church so I was in Barcelona last year um went and had a look at the Sagrada Familia in a, in a very advanced stage of completion now for for the bits they've started and it, it I just find anybody to be not to be emotionally and actually physically affected by the experience of being in a place that's just been so cleverly designed and constructed now i'm not saying we, we produce the workplace equivalent to the sagrada familiar on a regular basis i would be very very happy if we did that um but it's recognizing that that, that that the built environment does have an impact on you and it can be absolutely positive um it can be it can be designed to, to invoke certain thoughts and feelings in particular churches and uh you know typical institutional buildings military con you know military is a really interesting arena to consider uh but these things are have a very specific purpose to make you think and feel in a certain way um so it doesn't you know it's not a great leap then to realize that within the workplace if you're being told to think that you're part of xyz corporation and everything's mm. red and blue and uh you know you, you, you know the interesting the word i'll use for the first time today here is culture you know the cult in the business is that you conform yeah um historically we'll talk about process and so on now but the vast majority of employees in any organize large organization or any organization above half a dozen or so are involved in process delivery mm. um and they tend to be very institutional environments um sort of hopping about a bit here but you'll use hear me use the phrase you know open plan offices with rows of desks and i and i offer the visualization that those employees are like battery farm chickens pecking away at the keyboards and you I mean, know we all know how how rough and uh, uh unhappy battery farm chickens look compared to the you know the free-range examples so you know I, I offer that as a very you know very polarized 
a choice really i was in um a, a client with a client yesterday in their um office and we had a meeting in the meeting room and their their room um was not amazingly designed but this there were li- there were simple things in there like just really nice bookcases on the end wall with just covered in books and all sorts of different things and some use of color in there and actually I commented to the person um who was leading the meeting it just made a refreshing change going from going into a bland environment where yeah, with some art on the inspiring. wall yeah. and and you just you know to be to feel at ease and to feel um well yeah I mean I think you're, you're, I think you're 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 actually touching upon one of the very core principles here which is you know I've just I've just referred to large corporations and employees engaging in process delivery and the you know the management of those processes and those people tends to be quite close mm. um we tend to end up with micromanagement lots of structure lots of layers of management lots of supervisory levels um and you know it's easier for the organization if everybody conforms so that if, if a piece breaks you can replace it easily to to be really blunt about it um you know if you don't generate a great deal of loyalty and people in your delivering your process tend to move out at the drop of a hat I've done some very large call centers for example mm. back in the day I'm not really proud of them now looking back on it in hindsight but mm. you know people would move for 20 pence an hour pay rise or the fact there was a PlayStation in the cafe you know yeah. there was there was it was literally a transaction mm. um so if you you know if, if you want to move people if you want to motivate people if you want to affect people um, using the built environment is a, is a very powerful way of doing it, either in a very positive way or indeed in a very negative way. Um, and many people yeah, don't negative... get that, um, the strength of that connection, do they, between yeah. performance and their office environment? Well, yeah, we, I mean, we, we put up with a lot, don't we? I mean, you know, every time we go out into the public domain, whether it's, you know, a walk to the shops or to a supermarket or to any any brand of high street shop or we go to any pub or restaurant, or we go to any workplace you know we're, we're we're living in somebody else's idea of what good looks like mm. basically what you know what they what they think they're trying to achieve by doing that another, another major dynamic i talk about at the moment quite apart from the changing nature of work itself and the fact that process is being removed is you know the, the other huge thing is consider you know 40 years or so um of home ownership private home ownership or at least much more control people have much more control of their home environment um, you know, so we all watch loads of programs about DIY, Chateau in France, cookery programs, all these lifestyle programs which support this vision of what we think good looks like. Um, and in fact, you know, if you, as I always say to somebody, you know, what proportion of your personal wealth, time and money um, and brain power do you apply to creating a comfortable environment for yourself, primarily at home, of course? And the answer is it's, it's changed massively over 40 years, hugely so. Um and that also answers one of the questions, which I got asked by quite a notable law firm the other day, where they said, actually, we don't have any problem getting our juniors back. It's the senior partners, of course, who are really resistant to coming back to the office. And, yeah, but, you know, they probably live in, you know, without stereotyping too much, they probably live in, you know, a sort of million pound house with extremely comfortable lifestyle. And they've invested huge amounts of time, effort, personal wealth in creating an environment they love. If they then get planted back into a highly institutional environment mm. they may not enjoy having a an office you know and seeing the mm. the workers outside or indeed they alternatively they might not enjoy being planted out in open plan as so many companies have done you know they've they've implemented this open everybody's open plan 
you know, with, with a knife and fork, quite honestly, you know, they're not quite yeah. sure. Well, the reason they've done it is to save money on space, arguably. They can't, they can't reap any other sound. And, yeah, and I think, reason. you know, you've, you've made a couple of comments about um, what does good look like mm. um, and what we experience as someone else's version of what good looks like. A lot of people yeah. don't give what good looks like a thought. <laughs> and and yeah. that's about their physical environment or how they um, engage with their role or with their colleagues, mm. or whatever it is. We tend yeah. to just operate on these patterns of expectation. And this is this is just what we believe work is about. This is what we believe. Um, yeah, so, 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 certain cultural norms are in place. So, you know, I do a lot of work in schools and people's, you know, listening to a 12, 13 year old's perception of what the first day at work might look like. And mm -hmm. then actually and then actually offering that to them and delivering them and seeing what they think. Well, certainly my version of what an mm -hmm. office looks like. Um, you know, it's it's quite a shock. It's quite a shock for them. It's yeah, you know, we we do have these cultural norms that we adhere to. I mean, essentially, we're, we're. I suppose the root of it for me is that we are vastly institutionalized, whether we care to admit it or not. We we have certain patterns of behaviour that are um, imposed. You know, society and community, but but, but workplaces also. You know, it's society, it's community. There are there are there are inherent rules that. That, that people obey and if if you don't do anything about them then they will just go you know continue mm -hmm. um you know you many organizations this sort of stasis don't you this kind of well we've always done it that way you know why would you change it you know a lot of people are very resistant to change because we all know how much people enjoy yeah, control yeah. and stability and security yeah. they, these are these are critical features of um you know fundamental human needs but at the same time they're not necessarily conducive to um you know really healthy a healthy experience and i think you know ch change is good change is always good it always offers lessons experiences you know mental and physical fitness components to it um and it does exactly the same for business you know if everything stayed the same forever business would be very dull and life would be life in general would be very dull so i you know we actively embrace change and i suppose arguably when we when we talk to many of our clients and we do a lot of stuff through the work the workshop process where we we do it from the senior leadership first to get the buy-in and the, and, and the vision and the compliance as it were the encouragement at you know at senior sort of uh yeah you know they need to get the intellectual buy-in and and back it up with the proper resources but we will take it down through through layers of management as, as we see them as we understand them to to try and deliver it to people who you know, some of them come along incredibly negative, you know, that, that, that they, they will be deeply cynical about another office change, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what we, we actually say to clients now, bring us your most awkward, intransigent, you know, stuck in the mud types, as it were, because they're the ones who have been the, the greatest advocates subsequently. The actual process of the change is what they've really enjoyed, in fact. Um, and that that's another big subject we can talk about. But um they've they've got it you know there's no question you know they, they go i understand you know i'm not being told what to do i'm you know i'm being asked to, to do this but actually i mean I'm, I'm being asked to contribute to give the benefit of my experiences you know a person in the company in the process and say you know this works for me otherwise you know actually this bit's really hard mm. i've got a great challenge with my marketing people at the moment because i've got this you know sort of quite a visual thinker and i've just got this thing that you know for, for so many people the average the average day in the workplace, starting with getting up, sorting the kids out, doing the commute, commute, getting into the office, 
think of it as a, as a physical assault course, literally a physical assault course. And all of a sudden, you just realise it's almost funny then, isn't it? When you go, what else could my company do to interfere with my, my chances of success today? Oh, great, there's no car parking space. Oh, fantastic, the desk booking system's broken. Oh, oh, great, I'm sitting next to them today. You know, all these things that, you know, when you think about it in that respect, you can laugh about it, but it's deadly serious. You know, if, if most of us, most business leaders would agree that their people are the, their people are the, the economic units that deliver that deliver success yeah it's like anything else isn't it you know if, if you if you believe and really believe that you'd resource it wouldn't you you'd resource the hell out of it that's with asking the questions isn't it and and you know you've said you yeah. know, actually get it having workshops and you know i think that process is really important about engage actually engaging people and asking yeah. opinions yeah. and what makes the difference and what gets in the way and you know i do that around yeah. uh, kind of the culture and engagement and experience at work in terms of them being able to engage with their work perform well and and get on with their colleagues and so on you're doing that from a physical point of view but there's you're still engaging them in that process we we, you're absolutely right i mean the outcome is uh as i say we have we're lucky we have this tangible outcome of a a physical built environment but do you know i think certainly in the last three years certainly since post-covid where we've had a chance to re-engage with clients and you know they've come back to us going oh god how do i get people back to my office and then more importantly they're going actually what's my office for that, that's when it's it got really interesting but but actually the the you know our, our ability the workshops are for them as much as us you know it, it's certainly how we find the information out but it's it's a two-way process you know we we don't just you know again i've got lots of these little phrases you know we don't, we don't just turn up with our designs and go Ta-da! there we go rabbit out the hat aren't we clever look at that isn't it wonderful yeah i'd like to think there is that sort of you know magician component to our our company character as it were but the reality is we want people to understand what it is we're saying and what they've told this is what we've understood you've told us and so going back 23 years ago where i'd say well you know how many meeting rooms do you want where do you want them you know how many people have you got you know it was always like how many people how many desks well, that's just not the case at all now we say what we say now is tell us what you your business objectives are mm. and what challenges you're experiencing getting those met now and so whilst a good proportion of our people are qualified designers and here it's you know it's important to make the distinction between an interior designer um, and a workplace designer um, so a workplace designer has particular skills and experience of of, of how people function in a space rather than the space just the space itself but then also the workplace consultancy bit which now prefaces literally every project we do and we're of a scale now where it's it would be hard for us to engage with the client and just deliver something without any sort of consultancy process in, at the front end um but it it you know that's that's for the client's benefit as much as ours that's that's the bit that we get congratulated on and thanked for let's because... pick up rob on on the human yeah, yeah, okay. You've mentioned, well, you've mentioned that term a few times. You mm. and I are very familiar with it. Um, some people will have absolutely no idea about the human givens. So, um, te- I mean, tell us what your understanding is of the human givens in terms of kind of how just, and, and I'm going to add to it. Um, but just- yeah, well, <laughs> you are the expert. There's no question. I mean, hence the reason we've made so much contact with the Human Givens Institute College and so many other practitioners but yourself particularly um yeah I think that's a good question I'll explain it how I explain it to to people I meet because it is because it is so important um it's an organizing framework but it has a very simple fundamental proposition 
and this is the bit I love. And, 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 and he, again, I'm going to reveal a, a weakness in my knowledge here. So basically, I understand human givens says that all living organisms come into this world with an innate set of needs. Um, but the good news is we have an innate guidance system built in to get those needs met. Um, and I offer a couple of examples at this point. I say, so consider a sunflower, fairly simple living organism, plant the seed in the soil, nutrition, water, sunlight. It can do no other than grow into a healthy sunflower, um, unless, of course, there's some genetic malfunction or toxic environmental condition. OK, let's talk about human beings. And so very much more complicated than the sunflower, most of us anyway. Um, and the key difference is we have an advanced thinking brain. Okay, that now allows us to visualize, to plan, and to, importantly, to physically move around our environment. I think the relevance of, I mean, I, I trained um, in the human givers approach to psychotherapy when I became a psychotherapist 13, 14 years ago. Um, but actually, the key principles underpin pretty much all of my work now, because in terms of it being relevant to the workplace, it's yeah. all the stuff that people are now talking about day in, day out, particularly since the pandemic. So that sense of yeah. meaning and purpose, that sense of control, that sense of connection. Um, yeah. And when we have our needs met well enough, we're able to thrive. But actually, you know, we saw it hugely when people were stuck at home and they were feeling very isolated. And actually, interestingly, I work with a lot of leaders now who confess that they still feel very isolated, even if they're in the office, even if they have yes. people around them, because of their role, they feel very isolated. So yeah, I think that whole, yeah, yeah. And I think the whole, um, I mean, you know, in terms of physical workspace, lots of, you know, you've talked about open plan offices, whereas people's ability to um, get privacy when they need privacy. And that privacy is not just about having confidential conversations, it's about, I need some headspace where I'm not being distracted by everything else going on around me. And of course, for neurodiverse people um, who have, you know, people who are who have particular needs around, actually, I can't work when it's really quiet or I can't work when it's really noisy or I can't work when. And I guess we have to factor that in as well. So for Very me, so. the the emotional, the human given's needs, emotional needs are fundamental in terms of how we operate and how we are in terms of yes. our role in terms of our relationships and just in terms of everything in our lives Absolutely. and, and I, what I'll actually do is put a link to the human givens emotional needs audit in the show mm -hmm. notes that people can just start to get a look at kind of how yeah. they are and how we can begin to assess how well they're being met and you can you can think about that in your personal life you can think about that specific yeah. workplaces um, and I think there's a huge power of doing that in a workplace when I've got teams together to look at, OK, so how much of a sense of control do you have as a team and as individuals within that team? And, you know, how much um, your sense of status actually do you have a sense of status at work? How is that recognised? Is that mm. all about your salary or your role or is it about something else, that sense of recognition? And how could yeah. we do that better? So, again, it goes back to. How do I feel about my emotional needs being met at work at the moment, which ties okay. in with the physical space, the um, mental space and, and everything else? And actually what could happen differently so that my needs are better met? And when they're better met, I'm able to thrive better. Absolutely. Yeah, so true. I mean, it, it also brings in that bigger question about this reduction in the, institu in the institution approach that 
businesses take to their physical spaces and indeed their their culture um so i was just thinking actually uh, you know that you could argue that there are a couple of different types of workplace that we would all recognize. There's the one where nobody really cares anyway. It's just, oh, we've got six more people, order six desks from the local station, there's six chairs and you chuck them in. And there's that kind of lessee thing. It's just, I know, well, that's what offices look like. That's that's the one I grew up in. So this is what we'll have. Then there's the one that thinks it's great and that actually is undermining or uh, disenfranchising so many people. Um, it's interesting you talk about people with neurodiversity which is you know it, it's just a better recognized subject but you know similar i suppose arguably with autism as well you know since it seems a very a phrase oh yeah i know what that means well actually you know we're probably all on the autistic spectrum at some point it's literally it's a spectrum we're all on it somewhere um and, and more importantly i think the thing we recognize with the subtlety of our mental and emotional needs is you understand the principles better and you see what goes on in the real world you understand that actually our needs change constantly um you know through through the course of the day there are times at which we are happy to be social and have a chat and be distracted and you know what yeah just take a break uh, and there are times when we desperately need um privacy or some sense of control or some reinforcement of a value that you've been told that is good but you haven't quite got yet or you appear not to be conforming to you know the, the, it, it, it's as much about culture and behavior as, as, it, as it is about the built environment uh, as, we, we interestingly we did um we did a white paper quite recently on the impact of covid and uh how often what people thought the issues were in the workplace do you know what I reckon the built environment's probably about a third of the overall impact. You know, mm. if we create a great space, if we create a space that's designed and meaningfully with intent and genuinely answers the needs of those individuals and indeed the team structures, but the culture of the business, the culture of the organization doesn't permit it to be used or permit healthy behaviors and healthy thinking, it, it'll be defeated it won't work it's never black and white but the idea of giving yourself a great office to solve all your problems no it's not true you know it, it's it, it's 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 vital yeah. you know you, if you really want to if you really want to optimize your 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 business and your people's chance of success you will do everything you can you'll 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 remove that obstacle mm. you know that that set of obstacles that mm. rope ladder that muddy ditch you know you'll remove all those metaphorical mm. obstacles to give people the best that you can but you know if uh yeah the, uh, the, if, uh, I think the adverse conditions, why they're doing it <laughs> yeah i think the adverse conditions is really interesting because um you know i mean gosh i see when i'm wearing my psychotherapy hat one day a week i see a huge number of people who just are extraordinary in terms of how they function with um so many things against them oh, and yeah. i think in the in the in the workplace people do get on and they are able to function and sometimes you know that little bit of additional stress at a particular moment of a pressure like yeah. a deadline or something can really accelerate people and can really give people that level of energy and that buzz but it's not sustainable and I think that's when people end mm. up potentially burning out because they're just not in an environment that actually yeah. is um about kind of well helping them I, I talk about sort of feeding yourself in terms of actually yeah, yeah. nourishment and and yeah. um and I think you know your point about uh having permission is so important 
and yeah. it's all very well kind of creating the the space but actually if you haven't if you know that going over to use area an area over here or to go and enjoy that particular um provision over there is going to get frowned upon because you should really be sitting at your desk um it's not going to make any difference and for me like it's, it very much mirrors all the stuff in the workplaces around mental health and well-being when they're adding on all these different initiatives and and actually the under underlying culture is not supporting it so you know you might have this you know take a lunch break but by the way when you come back in your boss is um really mean to you or your colleagues don't get on with each other or you don't know what your job's about and, and it's all the kind of fundamental stuff which is yeah. so important it, it it really is it's interesting we use what you know stress i mean we, we think of stress as a you know it's pejorative isn't it you know we think of stress as a bad thing well you know it's, we we know that stress is actually a good thing exercise and stressing our bodies uh, you know is fundamental to being healthy isn't it you can't you can't maintain and grow your physical health without exercise and pushing yourself and yeah. I, you know what i i tend to use the word stretch so when we're stretch, talking yeah. about um because i think for me stress is so um it's used a, a lot and it's used a lot in the very unhelpful circumstances to normalize yeah. and to accept people living yes working with unreasonable levels of stress so it's because yes. of this acceptance that um well, of course you're going to be stressed at work because if you're not stressed you're not working hard enough which for yeah. me I kind of distinguish between actually being stretched is when you have that sense of meaning that drive that purpose yeah. achieving stuff you are yeah. you know you're moving forward but actually stress and yes there are yeah. you know, you, we can break well, down stress, but and, and actually I, what I'll do is put um a link to yeah. get some other resources around stress to help people break yeah. that down a bit so Rob tell me um about a project where you have um connected the kind of it's been successful in terms of how you connected ergonomic design and workplace culture and it's had a significant impact you know positive impact on employee well-being Okay. Um, well, you know, it's a very significant project for us. It was a very large scale project, you know, a couple of million pounds in value, and it took six months to deliver. And it was very meaningful for the client as well, in terms of the budget. But it was meaningful for the client because they were also and still are undertaking a massive IT project uh, to essentially redevelop their fundamental operating systems, Melton Building Society, Melton Mowbray Building Society. Um, and they also physically moved out of the space and didn't have a home other than some small scale rented spaces. So that was quite a challenge for them. And um, it was significant for a number of reasons, not least of which though, because of the, for, for, I think for us and them, when I, I'm so proud of it because it was a genuine win-win, which is one of our core values. So it was a wholesale refurbishment of a 20,000 square foot building. And one of the funny moments there was when we first went to look at the place um, th over three floors, you couldn't see more than 10 feet in any one direction because it's just an office wall in the way. It was so com compartmentalized over three floors. So there were people who would be on the same floor at the same time and never see each other from week to week or month to month. Um, and it was the society will say themselves quite clearly that they were um, they were in a comfortable place, you know, not, not particularly growing, not particularly changing things. And the built environment was certainly making sure that that was the case. It made sure that that happened. And doing that all the way through the project was phenomenally refreshing, you know, and it was because it was such a, a big scale and 
it was so important to that particular client. It was important to us as well. It was a very big project for us at the time. Um, but it made it all the more rewarding. Um, and especially as we've continued that relationship as they moved in and we, we did put lots of stuff in place to help the initial move or the preview stages that they put in place, then the physical moves themselves, and then the evolution as the new systems start coming online. So that's been really powerful. So there were some examples, uh, some specific examples around uh, removing physical walls, about creating meeting rooms that were accessible to all, about actually not having to have meeting rooms necessarily, that not all meetings are confidential, that most of it's about us providing visual and acoustic privacy, which previously they had either too much of it or none at all. So they're in open plan desks or locked away in a in, a, in an enclosed cellular space. So the, the breaking down of boundaries there, we even actually ended up, whilst budget did become an issue, but they, they wanted to punch a hole between the second and first floors, because having visited our own space at Ashby or Work Life Central, they'd seen the value of creating open visual direct lines between floors, in fact. And so that became a very significant component of the project and a, and a prize they were prepared to pay for. Um, the, the development of branding was really interesting as well. So they rebranded at the same time, uh, but you won't find this sort of overt expression of strict corporate colors and patterns and graphics. Um, it's done very much more on a human scale. This is a phrase I use. There's a, there's, a, there's a manufacturer in our industry called Human Scale. And they do mostly accessories for workstations. Brilliant name. I wish I wish they hadn't registered it because I would have done. Um, but everything we did in the Melton was about reducing the institutionalized feel of the, of the previous place and creating opportunities for human beings to function as human beings. And they had listened carefully to our um, exposition of the values of human givens, the framework of human givens. And also, um, we're very keen to work with them to continue to try and implement the well standard. So this is a, a standard which uh, produced by the International Well Building Institute. And essentially, going back to my earliest comments, it, it's what good looks like effectively, um, because it's 10 separate areas of measurement that are thoroughly researched, really clearly defined, peer reviewed, independently, assessed um and quite frankly when i first came across the well standard went that's the human givens answered literally in detail um so we actively encourage our clients to pursue that to get a quick registration and accreditation on the project um and but but its purpose is to ensure the well standard says we're different from things like lead and brian which concern themselves with environmental and sustainable components only in construction and design although yes those are important and indeed they form part of the well standard but actually the well standard could be summarized as being a standard that ensures that these built environments are fit for the people using them it's really good to hear rob because it is that sense of um doing something but knowing that it's had an impact and it's not just yeah like a nice space but it's actually impacting on how people are feeling and how people are performing yeah, so, you know, clear branding, but branding that people can relate to, that they feel that they can adopt as their own. Um, things like, you know, support, specific ideas, supporting behaviours that we know are fundamentally important, like making sure there's good acoustic control. So, that in, you know, the classic, you know, in an open plan office, you've got somebody 
three feet to your left of you, three feet to the right of you, and three feet to the front was 10 feet to the back. You know, it's impossible to concentrate for most people. Um, so it, it's about creating that level of choice control around the activities that your companies put in place to try and achieve their objectives. So that's really so, what it's so about. That's, that's good advice. And I and what I'd be interested, I'm just aware of time, and actually I think um, to, to bring this conversation to a close and I want to actually finish with you telling us about the event in February but before we do that what would be your sort of key recommendations for businesses um you know anyone listening to this to think actually I do need to go away and I do need to think about the physical environment what would be your advice and and actually I'm wondering whether any of that advice might also touch on any thinking about people who are working from home um potentially right, yeah. that could be a whole another conversation um but yes yeah, so um so it's think i think think about it in context first of all so the built environment is but one component of our human existence and as i've already i believe demonstrated you know it can be a very positive or a very negative effect and, it, and pretty much everywhere on the scale in between it can be generally fantastic and then there could be something that really affects what you do or prevents you from doing something that was either yeah we could have anticipated that or, you know or do you know what that's a new one we'll have to address that again um so understanding it all in context um, the built environment only works in the context of a of a clear statement of cultural intent and the the clear resourcing of, of of that as well it's, it's it's a leadership thing if you are the leader if it's your decision to think about the space that your people work in you, you know you'll be a leader in your business and your job is to visualize what good looks like and you know people like us can help you do that and you, people like you can help explain why that is the case that's why we're working together um so visualizing it, communicating it, and as I say, the, the, for me, the success of the Melton was actually I could I could sum it up as our our participation with the client in communicating it to the chief exec and and the decision making team, but throughout the organisation before, during, and afterwards, it was the communication of the leadership's vision um, and and our joint vision to create a space that would work really well, and then executing it really well, executing it perfectly as far as possible. So understand that it's only it's only one aspect of it but it is vital you know understand what your people really need as human beings and imagine them doing it for the fun of it yeah rather than having to be paid yeah. for it is, is always people that would you know, say you know imagine it imagine if they were doing it like with the enthusiasm they throw themselves into on their hobbies yeah and that's so imagine important. i i i was a reminds me of a, a client I was talking with um at the end of last year who was uh, asking about a particular project in their company and they said oh this is what we're thinking and I heard what they what they said which is kind of what most people would say because it's the normal reaction to a norm you know a widely experienced challenge and it goes back to this is what we do because we've always done it and I just looked mm -hmm. at them and I said to to them does that excite you do you feel really enthusiastic about that particular way of approaching this challenge and they, they both looked at me and went no and it's like well scrap no. that because if you're the yeah. ones who are thinking about this this change needs to happen and you're not excited imagine the hard work of trying to get everyone else on board so just go about it in a completely fresh way which is what is it you want to get from this and it goes back to the questions you've asked what does good look like and 
and so on and actually start with why we're doing this and it goes back to right back to the start of this conversation about asking the right questions and addressing what the purpose of this particular project this particular development is about and then you can start to create something that's really bespoke yeah. it's really meaningful to the people involved and you know then that the results are going to work because it's it fits around them specifically yeah so i just had one thing last i think i mentioned before this idea of um lots of prospective clients approaching us now with the question what's my office for that's where to start if you if you start asking what's your what your office is for it's not accommodation for employees at desks it's somewhere for your people to come to collect together and to work together and collaborate and build a culture that will deliver your business results. So that that's the kind of last one. That I think that's a really good point, Rob. Actually, um, your because I think a lot of people are now questioning what's their you know the office and oh, we'll get rid of it. We'll get rid of the office. Yes. Don't get rid of the office. Yeah. Don't <laughs> equally don't make people come in on what Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and tell them they've got to have Mondays and Fridays off. Why would you do that? That's as institutional as being there nine till five, five days a week, or telling them they've got to work from home forever. Anyway, yeah, we're not going to go to that topic, Rob, because I know you could talk for another hour about that. And we've got to come to an end. So tell us about the event in February. Okay, so we were very excited, um, first of all, to go to a preview of the Leicestershire Innovation Festival, which will take place for two weeks in February this year. And we went along and uh, listen to the local LEP and a couple of local business leaders. So I was fascinated to hear about the various awards that were going to be uh, given for innovation. Um, I suppose like most people, my first thought was, oh, that'll be technology then. You know, Leicester's, Leicester's got some great, great um, industries in food technology, space technology, um, bio and so on. We've got lots and lots of very high tech businesses in Leicester, Leicester Leicestershire and the wider East Midlands. Um, somebody pointed out as a solicitor's partner at solicitors pointed out, actually, it's not just innovation in technology, it's innovation in all sorts of areas. And I thought, yeah, you know, we I keep trying to describe what it is that we do so differently, better and better every time I think about it. And I was going, do you know what? That's it. Actually, I'm really excited here because we really do approach thinking about the workplace, thinking about work, thinking about people very differently. In fact, I believe we're the only business in our sector that thinks about people rather than people first rather than the company um, and the corporate side of it. So I very excitedly uh, sent an email off to our creative director and head of workplace that evening. And she went, I bet you've missed the email last week that came in when you were off for a couple of days. I went, yeah, I did. She went to Monfort University, uh, visited our place at Work Life Central in Ashby in the summer. And they obviously, they loved it. It's a fabulous physical space. It's very different, very impressive. And it has, it creates all those nice feelings and sense of intrigue and curiosity. Um, so they loved all that, but actually they really loved the psychology behind it when, when it was explained to them what was informing our ideas and how we implemented and, and practiced our, our profession. Um, and they are headline sponsors at the Innovation Festival. And they asked us, if we would like to participate in an event and essentially work closely with them on an event. So really excited. We've had, it's come together very quickly, um, but we are engaging with DeMontfort University's um, Faculty of Psychology and Arts and Design, and particularly the interior design. Um, and the way it's going to be structured is I'm going to chair a panel, which includes um, myself and uh, my colleague Chloe from our own business, 
who's our head of workplace. Um, Chris Newman from Steelcase, who are a major partner. Um, they're a huge global manufacturer of workplace products, but spend a, a fortune on research and development and give us some amazing insights into uh, product development and uh, re research generally. Um, representatives from the Dumont University, faculties of psychology and art and design, and of course yourself, Lisa. So it's going to be a really great uh, discussion talking about what the what, what the issues are, what the dynamics are um, in, in designing the workplace of tomorrow. Um, can't wait for it to happen. It's going to be on February the 12th. Um, details will be provided i guess you're going to yep, put yeah, we'll, this. we'll put the link uh, in, the, in the show notes so that people can find out more about it and they can book yeah. and i think that the real um, coming along to that will be getting to um hear from uh yourselves um steel case academia um my it is we've tried to cover all the bases and i think that discussion between those interested parties and we're already arguably working together in any case to to mm. gain a better understanding and to gain these insights you know as i say you know we, we have a competitive advantage i believe as a company at blueprint but you know mm. in, in the long term we want to get the story out there and affect you know touch and affect as many businesses and people as we can um and working with great partners has historically always been a very successful uh way for us um it's important to say that this event is in person only you've got to register online but it's in-person only. It's not the sort of event that you're going to really be able to get full benefit from in a Teams or a Zoom call. Um, you know, you need to be there to witness the, act, the witness the discussion and to participate as well. Can't wait to hear some of the questions. There's going to be some. There's always some great questions, and always for me, I never do anything like this without coming away with some new and fresh insight. Like talking to you today, it's been really good. I have loved talking to you, Rob. Um, honestly, we could talk for hours and I know that you have got so much to say. So um, thank you so very much for your time. Cheers, Lisa. What have you taken from the conversation today? Please do think about your intention to do something differently. And do give the podcast a thumbs up on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd be incredibly grateful if you could leave a short review too as it helps spread the word far and wide. I'd love you to join the club to be part of driving real change that improves practice and people's experience at work. You'll be the first to hear about relevant updates and free downloadable resources. Please do reach out to me directly to discuss the topics we've covered on this podcast or perhaps other challenges at work. And if we're not already acquainted on LinkedIn, please do connect. All the links you need are in the show notes. Thanks again and see you a fortnight. Thank you.